Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. A lot of Little League talk in the area with the season just about ready to get underway. And this is actually an episode that is a listener request. I got a request from a guy on social media, and he said his dad, whose name is Pete Henkels, had a lot of involvement in the independent league growing up. And a lot of those names that we've heard in previous episodes and we still talk about regularly at the baseball field, Pete was around during that time with the independent league. A little bit of some background information about the independent league. It was organized in 1968 by Vern Habercorn. And it was six 14-year-old teams that started playing in its inaugural season way back over 30 years ago. Pete was involved in the Independent League, which I've heard many say would have been the golden age of the Independent League. And we'll get more into that here shortly. Pete, welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Well, thank you. Glad to join you. Pete, what years were you involved with the Independent League, and what were some of your roles? Well, I was, in, I was involved from 1975 to 1980, and what I was doing was, was operating as a coach. I knew Ed Deppie, who was coaching the Brewers at the time, and he got me, got my boys on the team and had me help coach, and at that time, they just had uh, 12 and under, and uh, or 10 and under, and 12 and under. So they had the A and B. That's the only two levels they had. So he had me coach the B team for two years and help him with the A team, and then he got out of it, and then I coached the A team for three years. And once the boys got out of it, then I didn't coach anymore, but I did. We had the turn. I still stayed involved with the tournament and stuff. And we're going to talk about the Rising Stars tournament here in a little bit. I think everybody that plays Pete feels that their generation and their group of baseball players were better. I know that I would say the kids that I grew up playing with were better than the people before us, and they're better than the kids that are playing now. But many feel the time that you were with the Independent League was the golden age of the Independent League. Why do you think people would say that about the league? Well, the reason the reason they feel that way is because it was established, but not over-organized yet at that time. And about the time I got involved, it had been around quite a while, and it was, it was uh, getting more kids involved. And the kids at that time 
they were playing on the playgrounds more. And they knew how to play. They didn't really need a lot of coaching. What they needed was a coach that would keep them in line and get everything lined up and make arrangements and all that. And that's kind of really the role that I played that I did. I just kind of did what I'd like to see done when I was a kid, which we didn't have much of baseball at that time. It's interesting but, talking to you because I know we had Jim Leitner as a guest on the podcast, and he talked about how everybody would just play pickup baseball in their neighborhood church playground or their neighborhood school. So it sounded like what people did, including yourself, is you took those people from the school or the church playgrounds and got them in a more organized setting. Is that fair? Is that a fair statement? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And when I got involved, it was organized with the independent league from the playgrounds, but not over-organized like it is now and not so much emphasis put on it. Now, when you, I had, now you've said, ahead. you've said over-organized a, a couple times. I'm kind of curious to pick your brain on when you, when you say that it's over-organized right now, what, what do you mean when you talk about that? Well, I say when it's over-organized now, they start them out at about six years old and they, they got their teams and they all get in tournaments starting early and, and it's so important that they win. The kids kind of get burnt out and they put too much emphasis on, on the winning and everything. And the kids don't have as much fun as they used to. Plus when I was coaching, we didn't have uniforms. <laughs> they had the league provided a Jersey for each, each, uh, team, each uh, organization, and they wore jeans, and, and they also had a, a cap, a regular independent league cap that most of the kids had, but they didn't have to, but, and I was just getting started with that at that time, and by the time I got out of it, that's when they started getting uniforms, it's so it, it was a, it, it was a time in between from really getting started till they got into it you know, more serious about it and more competitive. It's interesting and the kids that know how to play. Yeah. It's because they played together all the time, you know. It's interesting that you mentioned that with the uniforms because when I was uh going on the independent league's website, which the listeners can find if you just Google Dubuque Independent League they in their timeline about us in the history of the independent league they uh they had the year that teams were officially uh given uniforms and all of my years of coaching high school baseball it was almost an unwritten rule of the coaches where if a kid shows up to practice wearing jeans you you kind of cut them and you kind of send them home the first day where you guys were playing in jeans back back in your time now Pete when you think about the ups and downs with the league during the time you were involved? What were some of the high points and what were some of the low points? Well, at that time, the B team, the uh, 10 and under, they played Saturday morning, or rather Sunday morning, up at the Holy Ghost Field. They had one game a week, Sunday morning, that was it. And then the B team, or the uh, A team, the older team, they would play only on the Wyrick fields, only on the Holy Ghost fields. And they would play during the week. And they'd have a couple games a week, and that was about it. 
Then you had the league games. You had a league tournament at the end of the season. And that was all the ball games you had. So the kids really had a good time. They enjoyed playing. And it was competitive, but not as bad as what it's gotten to be. And all the sports are pretty much like that now. And after, after I, after I was in it a while, I heard about the tournament up in lacrosse and I took the kids up there then and they enjoyed that. We were just recently talking about this with uh, a travel ball organization and I had shared that when I played, I played for the Asbury Mariners. Um, that was our travel team in Asbury, but I also played in the independent league as well. So I was playing in both leagues, but there were two really big tournaments that were big in our area. And it was the lacrosse tournament. And then it was the Dubuque rising stars tournament. And I don't even know if, if lacrosse, if that tournament is, is still around, but, when you think of the time, Pete, that you were involved, who were some of the coaches that, that played a big role in the league? Well, Kenny Hapel had the Hurricanes. He was a, he was a real good coach. He had a good team all the time. Dick Coop had the Hawks. Earl Redemeyer had the Bears, which they had the Bears at that time. Mm-hmm. Tiny Potts had the Cubs. Ed Deppey had the Brewers, and I took over from Ed. Gary Oakham had the twins out of the Holy Trinity area, and Doc Shope was with the with the uh, Hawks, and also Jim Rose, and Tom Ball followed me with the Brewers. Then after I got out of it, Wayne Schneer got pretty involved. Jim Abbott's done a real good job. He got involved. Uh, these coaches, these most of these coaches were pretty good. They knew the game, and but they they weren't overdoing it at the same time. A lot of those okay. names that you mentioned, I, I remember Abbott's very well. He was with the White Sox, and then I know um, Gary Yeager and Stub Miller were involved right. with the White Sox. The Hawks were still around, and you were with the Brewers. And I know from what I hear now, the Brewers and the Hawks, and it seems like it's either the Cardinals or the Reds. One of those two are the predominant teams uh, in the independent league. Who were who were so? Oh, and you mentioned you mentioned tiny pots. I actually had uh, a pots on on the show, and and he talked about the independent league, and he was a member of one of the Hempstead State championship teams. Who were who right. were some of the the more talented players? I know. Um, I believe your son said um, uh, when he reached out to me that. You know, Mark Gassman and and Russ Ruby; those those were kind of the names that that stuck out when he was playing. Who were some of the other names, and any stories that that you might be able to to tell us about those guys? And did any of those guys go on to play college, or any of those guys go on to play at the professional ranks at all? Yeah, Russ Ruby, Russ Ruby, and Mark were the same age. They were on up two different teams in the independent league. And uh, the strong teams at that time were the Hurricanes, the Hawks, and the Brewers, and the Cubs when I was involved. And Ruby pitched for the Hawks, and I had Gasman was pitching for, for the Brewers. And Ruby went on, of course, these guys played high school ball, of course, and Ruby went on 
to you and I, I don't know how much baseball he played up there. I think he played football. And, of course, Mark went on and played college ball in one year as pro ball. And then you had Kenny Kerprick played for, for our team, Brewers, and he went, he played some college ball down in Kansas City. He was a good ball player. Scott Heinrich, he was a real good ball player fast. Jimmy Williams is another one. Jimmy Williams played third base for us and when, uh, when, uh, Mike Lex was catching and when he got too old and I had Jimmy catching, well, he didn't want to catch. He didn't want to be a catcher. He wanted to play third base. I said, no, Jim, you're our catcher. So 10, 15, 20 years later, whatever it was, I run into Jim at one of the Katie or one of the, uh, Telegraph Herald All-Star games and he was a catcher for the All-Star team. Uh, talking to him, and he said, that's the best thing I ever did, made a catcher out of him. Because <laughs> then he played high school ball up at Wallard. He caught up there, and Bobby Axel was another good one, Jeff Swaler, the Valentine Twins. There, there were a lot of good ball players at that time, the Demetrov boys. And a lot of them played high school ball, but I don't know how many of them went and played college ball. That I don't know, other than Gassman. I, I know when you I know when you talk about some of those names. Uh, Russ Ruby, he owns the home run record at, at Hempstead with 20 home runs in a season, which is unheard of. And and uh, I think it was Mike Dunsner talked about, you know, when Russ Ruby played, he was a man among boys, and and people oh, yeah, were yeah. afraid to get in the batter's box with him. And there would be pitchers that would be afraid to hit off. Uh, there would be. Um, pitchers that would be afraid to pitch to him because there was a story where he lined one back at a pitcher and it it hit him in the chest and the kid just kind of dropped to the ground and people thought thought he was dead but I I've uh, I had an opportunity to talk to coach core a lot this past summer um, he was a guest on on a couple episodes with with the Hall of Fame high school coaches and he has he says and he, and he firmly believes this that Mark Gassman was the best all-around player he's ever seen come through Dubuque. He's not necessarily saying the best player, but the best overall player because he could run, he could he could uh, he could field, he could pitch, he could hit for average, he could hit for power. Where he wasn't he wasn't just a, a one dimensional player. But if if you think back to those years you were involved, what would you say would be your top moments, your top memories? I don't know if you still talk to some of the kids or the guys that you coached or some of the guys that that you were in the league with. But what are what are some of those moments that when you think about today, they just they just put a smile on your face and you're glad you were involved in it. Well, what we talk about is, is uh, when I was coaching the 14-year-old team here, we won the league two years out of three, and that was always a highlight for them. And we went to lacrosse, and that was the – they still talk about going to lacrosse all the time. That was – they thought they were playing major league ball up there. <laughs> and uh, one thing that we talk about, we were playing – when we played the Hawks, we'd keep – Gasman for pitching against the Hawks and they and Ruby had pitched or pitch against the Hawks and they'd have Ruby pitching for for the Hawks. Well, we played him one time and Ruby throws a no hitter against us. Gasman throws a one or a two hitter and we beat him one to nothing. 
guy got on base, walked or whatever, or got hit, I'm not sure. Stole him to second, and they overthrew the second. He wound up on third, and a guy hit a fly ball, and he come in, and we wound up. He throws an oiter and gets beat. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ironic. But that, that was a good competition down there, you know. And, and they always had, well, probably no different than any league. You had, you had three, four of the top teams, and you had a few kind of on the bottom, and then you had some of them in between there that were respectable, and you had a, you know. It was it was it was a good league. It was a good league. Yeah, lots of lots of great great talent, and and you see that a lot of times with um with the lower levels of baseball. I can think of a couple times when I've coached at the freshman level for high school, and your pitcher will throw a, a no hitter, but you'll lose one to nothing because he walked he walked four guys, he hit two others, and then a pass ball <laughs> scored the scored the winning run. Now I. I'm curious about this because I I I find myself I'm I'm 39 years old and 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 I still I still picture my parents as being 40 even though they're in their 70s and I and I still think right. of those times that I played and I just think life was so much better uh, when I played but I, I'm curious what what are your thoughts about the league today? Had you ever go down to the sports complex and watch any independent league games or, or? No, I don't, I don't go to them games. I've gone to the tournament a couple times a little bit at the rising stars tournament, but not a whole lot, but it, it's got, uh, I think it's a good league, but they, but they, uh, they got them kids got so much to do now. It's different to keep them, keep them going in that. They like to play. And they've always, you know, it's always been like that. But as far as the league goes, I don't know if the if the talent level got higher or not as high or what. But I hear little complaints about the parents getting involved. Of course, that's the case at all levels, you know, whether it's high school or college or whatever, you know. I I know you think now, and and there's there's three three leagues now in the Dubuque area. So you have your independent league, you have your pony league, which is out at Derby Grange, and then you have your Prairie League, which is based around the towns and, and Asbury is the team there. So it seems like the talent is is much more spread out. And just and then you have your travel organizations and you have your tournament teams and you have that. But I know I I I'm kind of crushed with the fact that when I came up through the independent league, whatever team you started with, you kind of stuck with on, unless, right. unless there was a disagreement or, or something didn't work out. But I was in the Cubs organization and you played for the Cubs C, B and A. And now you see organizations or you see kids, well, they played for the Cubs and C league, but the Cubs didn't have a B league team. So they played for the twins and B league. And then the Twins didn't have a, an A League team, so then they played for the Angels for the for the uh, the A League, and that's just it. Really doesn't build a community. It really doesn't build a, a strong a strong uh, sense of a program there. But just like just like you mentioned, there's there's a lot more things that are going on. What what factors, Pete, do you think have caused less kids to be involved? Well, the fact that well, one thing is they got their uh, their uh, Video games, that's a big problem. <laughs> their video games and their telephones, you know. Yeah. They're probably out on the out playing shortstop and checking their phone to see if they got a call or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of things to do anymore. And when they do it, 
the parents get them involved, the parents are involved as, as much as they are a lot of times. You know, whether it's tennis or whether it's volleyball or regardless what it is. Besides, they got, there's just a lot of things for the kids to do. And after they start them at six or seven and they get in the tournament and the parents are all upset because they don't win the tournament. And pretty soon the kids, it, it gets to where they say it's no fun. They don't enjoy it like they did. That's a big part of it. Now, so they'll go and do something else. When when you think of the league and 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 you're right and also I I think soccer has has seen a, has seen an uptake in the area as well but you you've touched upon a couple of these things a little bit but what do you think the league would need to do to to build itself back up to its its glory days to to where it was with the times that you were involved or, or the times where I was involved, where it was competitive. Each organization had, had three teams. And ultimately I think the, the goal of any little league organization or youth baseball organization should be teaching the fundamentals of the game while you're having fun. What, what, what do you think the league would need to do to build itself back up to, to the glory days? Well, I don't know. You never, you never get back to the, to the way it used to be. That's pretty much anything. Never like it used to be. It never, not like good old days, you know. So that's kind of tough. But the biggest thing, what you need is your leadership and your coaches. They have the right mindset and the right reason for doing it and the right attitude that they play with, play with uh, sportsmanship and all that stuff. And as far as being competitive, that kind of getting out of the hand, you know, talking about the t- tournaments. When, when I was, uh, coaching, I heard about the lacrosse tournament. So I right away, I took a team up there because I thought, gee, this would be great, you know, to get in the tournament. Well, I, I took the first team from Dubuque that went up to the lacrosse tournament. And when I saw what they were doing up there, they had 64 team tournament for 12 year olds and a 64 team tournament for 14 year olds. And they had an open division, which was all stars or anything, anybody. And they had a closed division. A closed division was for your roster team and you were limited to five or six players in the upper age bracket. If it was 14, you could have five or six players, 14, but no more. And then you were in a closed division. And when we went up, we always went in the open division because we had more players than what the, uh, in, in the upper age. We never went up in the closing. We were competing against, we were competing against all-star teams. And the kids went up there and, and they really enjoyed playing because they saw new teams, teams they never saw before and good teams. And they always done well up there. So a lot of them kids, that was a highlight. And we ended up there, that was always toward the end of the season. And they, they enjoyed that. And when I saw what they were doing up there, I come back here, and then I started the Rising Stars Tournament. And the same year I started that, uh, Jerry uh, in East Dubuque, he started the East Dubuque Tournament at that time. Jerry Boston started it. So there were no tournaments of any kind for the kids at that time. And then when I started the Rising Stars Tournament, 
my idea was to get some of these out-of-town teams in here. Because we were playing each other all the time here in Dubuque. So we were getting teams from La Crosse and, and uh, Cedar Rapids, Davenport, Chicago area. Because I run into teams up there from all around, you know. And I let them know we were having the tournament going. So we were we were getting a lot of out-of-town teams coming in. So they come in and they were staying in motels and eating and everything. They had, you know, that turned out real good. It was a single elimination. And we got up to, I think the first first couple of years, we were up in an area of 24 teams or something like that. And that built up and got to be a big tournament. It's it's great hearing you mention these things. I, I think back to the lacrosse and, you know, you're right. You play different teams that you don't play. When I was on the Asbury Mariners, I remember we played a Chicago-based team that was very good. We, ple- we played a team from St. Louis called the St. Louis Legends where – Back in 94, they were paying $2,000 just to try out, and you didn't right. get your money back if, if you didn't make the team, and, and it, was, it was a great experience. And then you mentioned, and this was actually something that I wanted to talk to you about. Your son had told me that you know the Dubuque area is known for its Rising Stars tournament. You were the one that actually helped get that off the ground, and, and it's, it's great. We had a year where the Asbury Mariners, I believe we were 63 and five and we were the best team in the area. And we always got in the rising stars tournament and we got upset in the second round by an independent league Dubuque Dodgers team who had, who had a lot of good baseball players on there. So when you talk about lacrosse, I have some great memories. And when you talk about the rising stars, I still have that, that one, um, bitter memory that we had right there. Now, Pete, when we talk about the the Rising Stars tournament, what were the difficult parts of planning a tournament at that that big of a magnitude? I know you said that you got the idea because you would go to lacrosse and lacrosse had a 64 team bracket. It's almost like March Madness and in the NCAA tournament, but what were the, the most difficult parts of putting that together? Well, when I started that, I had to line up the fields and line up umpires. When we started, we had all volunteer umpires. In fact, uh, one year I got old, uh, some of the older ex-ball players from around here that played pro ball and played semi-pro ball and had them do the umpire and then umpiring, and then we would introduce them during the game, between innings, is what they did. And the team, you know, I kind of impressed the kids. That was kind of nice. And I'd line up the pair. We'd have to make the pairings. And that's always a problem because we got a lot of teams coming from out of town at that time. And you didn't have weak teams coming in. So you don't want to pair a real strong team with a real weak team here from Dubuque. Because then the game is no good at all. So we, we had to kind of go to the middle of the pack. And, of course, you didn't take one of pair your best Dubuque teams with your strong teams from out of, your strongest teams from out of town either. So, of course, the local teams, they complained about that. <laughs> they didn't like to get paired up against these strong teams all the time. But it was for the benefit of the league. And at least it made a little better tournament. And it, and it, and the other thing, it was all it was all uh, 
it was all uh, single elimination. But besides besides the tournament games, we also had pickup games after that. Teams that lost, and they did this up at lacrosse also. If they had teams that lost, they could sign up and get play one another team that lost. So they did. They come into town. They didn't maybe have to just play one game and go home. They could still stick around for the weekend and play all weekend, which was kind of nice. So you had to line up fields. You had to line up umpires. And at that time, I also had scorekeepers and I had lined up PA sets. That all the games were announced. The players were announced. They kind of at that time that was something different, you know. They liked hearing their name called or playing, coming to bat and position they're playing and all that type of thing, you know. Yeah, they enjoyed that. That's, that's, that's great to hear. And you think about what it did for local businesses and the economy having, right. having, you know, these out of town teams. And it's, it's funny. And, and I always get a kick out of this when I coach and especially with kids and parents, how you, you mentioned how some of the teams would complain that they were playing teams that were too good. And that's really how, how you find out how good of a player you are is, is by playing against competition that is better. And that's how you get better is by playing against competition that's better. Now, I, I know we hadn't previously talked about this, but I didn't know if you could pull it off the top of your head. I'm not trying to stump you by any means, but when you think of all the years that you were involved with the Rising Stars Tournament, what do you think was the furthest distance or the furthest team that that had to come and play and and what were some of the out-of-town teams that would come and i know a couple times when i i've been down there i've seen clinton the lumber i think they're called the lumber kids i know um when i played i think in the first round of the rising starts tournament we played the denver rockies and we were young kids and we thought they really came from Colorado because of the Colorado Rockies to find out that there was, there was a, Den there was a Denver, Iowa, but yeah, right. what, what were some of the out of town teams that would come in and, and would, do you know, maybe off the top of your head, maybe the team that came from the furthest distance? I'd say probably the furthest distance was St. Paul. Oh, wow. Yeah. St. Paul was coming down, uh, lacrosse and some other towns up in that area, Chicago area, uh, five, six teams out of Chicago area in some different years, Cedar Rapids, Davenport, Waterloo. Uh, then were the, the furthest towns out. But I, I kind of liked it because they, you brought some people into town for the businesses and everything, you know, and they get exposed and see what, what you got here in Dubuque. Yeah, you're exactly right, and you you help out the hotels, you help out the restaurant right. industry. Um, if we had any like go kart tracks like we used to have, I mean, kids kids flock to those things. And you know, I've had people who have never been to Dubuque that will come and visit me and talk about what great of a place it is and and kind of a, a hidden gem. Now, you were doing things that were groundbreaking for its time. Now it's almost it's standard where you talked about announcing the players and and that sort of thing. But what when you think back and you look back, what were your favorite parts? What were the most rewarding parts that stuck out to you about being involved with and starting the Rising Stars tournament? Well, I just I just enjoyed having a tournament and having all them kids there and and uh providing that 
that kind of recreation or that kind of competition for him. I had a guy that Earl Redemeyer, he he come up to the he was out of coaching already in the independent league, and he come up. We were having a tournament up at the Veterans Park, and he come in there and he looked around. There's about four or five teams running around there, and he said, "Gee whiz!" He said, "You really got something going here." And I said, well, you won't be able to say that next year. And I said, he said, why? I said, next year you're going to say, we got something going. He said, no, 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 I'm all done with this. He said, I'm not, I'm not involved. I'm not coaching anymore. I said, no, you're going to help me. And I said, well, you think about it. So I called him the next year before we got started. And I said, well, Earl, what are you going to do? In fact, he said, no, he wasn't, he wasn't going to help. So he said he was going home. That was a Saturday. He went home. He said, he said, I might be back up after a while. So he come back up. I said, well, you want to be involved because, or you want to be here. So the next year I called him and he come up and he, he worked with me. I had him take care of one of the fields to make sure scores were in and the field was ready and raked out and everything. And he was with me for, oh, I don't know, maybe close to 10 years. And he helped out. He was real good that way. So you had, you had a lot of guys that helped and would work with you and all that. And the other thing I, I kind of liked, I went out and put a program together. And I would go to the businesses and I would try and get an ad for them for like $25. And then I'd, I'd have the teams, the teams all listed and everything. And uh, when I'd go to <clears throat> talk to them about the tournament, they didn't know what you're talking about. You know, they didn't pay much attention. Well, after one or two years, when you went and talked to them, they knew what the Rising Stars tournament was because of all the people in town, and they heard about it. So it was a it was a real popular, real popular thing at that time. And when you think about one of the biggest rewards, I know the biggest reward with me with coaching and teaching is just seeing the smiles on the kids' faces. I mean, that's that's just a, a huge reward right there. Just seeing the kids having as much fun well, as they are playing a game that I'm sure you love just as much as I love the game of baseball. Yep. To me, to me, what I really liked and what the kids really liked was when we went to lacrosse for the tournament up there because they didn't have any of that before, you know. So I was talking to Mark Gassman one time uh, out here at the park oh, maybe 20 years ago now, <laughs> and he was talking about playing uh, playing uh high school and pro ball and college ball and all that. And he started talking about the lacrosse tournament. I said, gee, where's Mark? I said, after being all state and state champion and college and pro and everything, I said, I said, you still remember about playing lacrosse? He said, remember about playing lacrosse? He said, that's the most fun I ever had playing ball. Yeah. Yeah. We, we played a team up there in all-star team out of Chicago area. It was Lake County in the north side of Chicago. We beat a team, and the guy come over and introduce himself, and he said, well, what kind of a team you got? And we had just beat a team. And I thought, it's just a roster team. And I said, well, what do you what do you guys got? And he said, well, I don't really know how good we are. I said, why is that? He said, well, we never played a game. We're an all-star team, picked out of 1,200 ballplayers out of Lake County. He said, we've had some practice, but we never had a game. I said, oh, geez. I said, well. We'll do what we can. I said, I hope we can get a decent game. I said, we'll do what we can. So we played them, and they beat us 11-7. to 7. We were leading them for a while. 
but we couldn't hold them. They were really all good ball players. So the kids got so excited about playing them and playing as well as we did. They wanted to watch the rest of the game. So we watched every game that they played and they won the tournament. And we were the only team that scored a run on them. <laughs> so them kids, to this day, are always talking about playing Lake County at lacrosse. That was the highlight for them. As far as they were concerned, that was major league ball. I'll have to I'll have to talk to to Mark about that and his his mom the Gasman family Marge and Leroy who has who has since passed away but they were neighbors of mine on Briarwood and Asbury growing up uh, great great family what what when what year did you start the Rising Stars tournament how long has that been in, in existence that was started. Okay. Seventy nine or eighty. Well, talk about talk about Gasmans. I brought some. I started this Asbury. I started the team out here at Asbury when we got started. I took the team I had, the Brewers, and I got them in the uh, Little Prairie League out here to get some more games. And we have a bunch of kids around Asbury, so I dropped some kids off one time from a ball game and come past Leroy's house. And I was a classmate of Leroy's for a while when I was a kid. And that Leroy's a good ball player. All them Gassman for good. So I come by his house and he's out in the yard. So I stopped and he's, he says, uh, what are you doing in the neighborhood? I said, oh, I just come from a ball game and dropped some kids off. He says, oh, what is that? I said, the independent league. He says, how do you get a kid in that? I said, well, I don't know. You got any, got any kids, any boys? He says, yeah. I said, how old? And he said, well, Mark is 10 or 11. I said, hey, I'll take him. Don't put him on any other team. I'll, <laughs> I'll use him. So that's how I heard about, knew about Mark. And and uh, he played with us. And I saw him play about two games. And I said, right then, his biggest potential, the, the, he could go further in baseball as an infielder and a hitter than anything else. He's a good pitcher. But his more potential was infield and hitting. He was just a good all-around ball player, a good guy, good to work with, you know. Yeah, and I, I, I heard this from from my parents, and I, I don't know if it's true, but they also said his dad, Leroy Gassman, was a hell of a ball player back in his day. So you probably knew him as a classmate, and so if he's anything like his dad, I need to get this kid on my team, right? Right, under Craig. Yeah, when he made he made all most valuable player in the Dyersville tournament a couple times. His dad did. Now, when when you think of the Rising Stars tournament, you shared that game against uh, that team from the north the north side Lake of Chicago. County. Yeah. yeah. What, when you think of the independent, when, I'm sorry, when you think of the uh, Rising Stars tournament, what are some of the games either that you were involved in as a coach or just as a spectator or some of the plays or some of the comebacks or, or some of the players that when you reflect on that tournament, what are some of the moments from the Rising Stars tournament that stand out to you still? highlight for us. But after that, 
when I was just running the tournament, I uh, I took care of take care of all the everything going. The one thing that I remember pretty vividly, we had a two teams come up from Davenport, and one of them was a real good team. They were both strong, and this one guy, this coach, he figured he had it. He had it pretty well wrapped up. So he played one game. He played one game, and I forget if it was his first game or his second game. But he was keeping his pitcher back for the next game. And by God, he got upset. And boy, was he, he was upset. Mm. He says, I learned my lesson. Never again will I do that. You know, single elimination. He had it all figured out. But boy, was he in for a surprise. That's one thing I remember about when I was involved with it. But otherwise, not too much because I just was involved in seeing that everything would be moving and running the way it should and that type of thing, you know. It's it's interesting and it's it's sad to look at how things have, have developed over the years. I don't know what the Rising Stars tournament's like today. I, I know it's still around. I don't know if they still bring in teams from all over the area. I know that U-Triple-S-A is, is huge, and I don't think that is a U-Triple-S-A sanctioned tournament, meaning that you're not going to get those out-of-town teams. But, Pete, before we uh, hit into our podcast, Killing Double Play here, anything that you want to talk about, anything you want to mention before we end this podcast? Well, talking about the tournaments, back at Back at that time, there weren't many tournaments for the kids, though, when I was involved in it, so that went real good. Now, every town, every weekend, you got a tournament, and they're now pool play, which is okay, but it's a different type of thing. When you're when you're talking single elimination, it's do or die. That, that's a different type of type of tournament. So now, you got more just local teams. You don't have teams coming in from all over because they don't have to travel to get in a tournament. They can be in a tournament here in Dubuque one weekend and then another tournament in Dubuque the next weekend and then they can go out to Farley and they go out to Holy Cross and Dyersville or, you know, they got tournaments all over, which is, which is fine. But I think the kids get burnt out at the same time. And also the parents. They got, they got, they're running every, every weekend with your sports thing anymore. They are. And, and, you know, you mentioned a lot of local areas here, but I, I know, you know, you might play in Cedar Rapids one weekend and then in Bettendorf the next weekend and then travel to Nebraska to play in the Battle of the Borders and then travel up to, I think it's Woodbine in, in Wisconsin. So it's it's not how it used to be where you play a couple no. of tournaments or you drive 20 or 30 minutes to Piazza to play in a tournament. You're you're traveling uh, a couple hours. Pete, thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And I'd like to thank your son who uh, messaged me a long, long time ago. Um, whenever somebody messages me, and this goes out to our listeners out there of possible show ideas, I do archive and I do hang on to every single one of them and I do reach out and take all of your suggestions. So if you have suggestions for episodes or guests to have on, please continue to send me 
um, those messages. And, and I always do follow up. Sometimes it's not as quick as, as I or some would like, but I do kind of have a, have a game plan here. So Pete, thanks for all of the work that you did with the independent league and youth baseball. And thanks for getting the rising stars tournament and six, four, three. We're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.